Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Baptize Jesus. The next day, John 1 and 29 says, He looked up, and all those who were gathered there, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is our Passover Lamb. You don't have to know a whole lot about the Old Testament to know about the great event of God bringing His people out of Egyptian bondage. And on that last tenth plague, they killed a lamb, sprinkled the blood around the door, and God overlooked those homes. But in the homes that did not have the blood, the firstborn was killed. Jesus is the Passover lamb. When God set up his people with their law, the, the Mosaic law, God understood that these people are going to sin and they need something and therefore, the sacrificial system was set in place. There were many different kinds of sacrifices, but for our consideration today, the bloody sacrifices. And these sacrifices were offered as a peace offering, a burnt offering, a sin offering and a trespass offering. We all think of how God told them to take that lamb and to bring it and to kill it. But what we overlook is that they had a choice. They could bring a lamb or they could bring a goat. But for our purposes this morning, they brought a lamb. Here is a fact that probably we've overlooked to some degree. I did. In all of those offerings, the bloody sacrifices, the offerer came with the lamb or the goat, but they came with the lamb to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle or the temple when it was built. And they would bring that lamb individually for them and I suppose for their family. And the Bible says, and the offerer killed it. Now the priests did everything else. The priests took the parts that were to go to the priest. The priest took the animal and burned it as was instructed by God. But the offerers killed it. We find that in Leviticus 1 and 3 and 4. 
That's an interesting concept. So this lamb was going to be offered, but the person, the sinner, killed the lamb. It makes sense then. When we fast forward to Jesus, who died on the cross for you and me as our Passover lamb, but he was slain by those sinners. They dragged him to the place and killed him. Just as they had done, those Jews had done in their history, taking the lamb to the tabernacle and killing it for the sins of themselves and their families. For a few minutes, think with me what it means that Jesus is the Lamb. I would suggest, first of all, that He is the least. Oh, I know he is outstanding. I know he's the son of God, but he was the least. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself no reputation. And coming as a bondservant, Jesus submitted himself. Jesus was the least. He was the least by his own choice. He was in the portals of heaven itself. And in this position, he didn't think it was wrong to be there. And yet he divested himself of that to become the least. As the Old Testament would say, the psalmist would say, What is man that you are mindful of him? And he became by his own choice person or man of no reputation. He devalued himself. He became a bond servant owned by another because he made himself the least. But he was also the least by the treatment that he received. Never in the history of the world has anyone died like Jesus. Oh, I know many people were crucified. Many people were beaten. Many people were abused. But nobody 
died as he died, sinless. He was the least because by his own choice and the treatment of others, he was the least. But that passage in Philippians 2 continues. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the least, though he is the Lord. Jesus is the Lamb who came among us. John begins with these words. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt. Literally, that word is tabernacled. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. It has reference to the Feast of Tabernacles in the August to September time of the year. And the Jews would build temporary booths in their yards. And they would stay there for eight days, recalling during that time their brethren who spent all of that time in the wilderness waiting to get to the promised land. Jesus tabernacled among us for a little while. But as a part of that tabernacle observance, there were also lights. In fact, they would take four 75-foot candelabras to display around the temple. It was a time of lights. And in those booths, they would put a hole in the top so they could sit there thinking about the wilderness and observing the lights in the sky of the stars. And John wrote of Jesus, he is the light who has come into the world. And everyone who comes to the light comes to him. Jesus was among us. Not like the gods of the Greeks who were aloof. They were away 
They were not near. Not like the God that, the, that Paul found at Mars Hill when they had the altar that said to the unknown God, so far away we can't know him. God came to us. And Jesus, our Passover lamb, was among us. Jesus, the lamb, is one of many. Not one of many lambs, not one of many gods. He is one of many. Hebrews 12 and 1 opens with these words, Therefore, seeing we have such a vast cloud of witnesses. You mean there are so many people? I thought Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Few will find the narrow way to salvation and many will be lost. Well, I think they are both right. There are many in the cloud of witnesses probably referencing primarily all those people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, but certainly referencing all the faithful of all time. And as a number, there are many. I don't know how many people have lived in the history of the world. I heard the other day, we will soon pass 8 billion on this planet. How many people have lived in the history of the world? I do not know. But I would suggest that by the time the Lord returns, there may be, as numbers go, billions who are his people. We're not the only ones. We're not the only ones. We're one with him of many. But it's also a comparative term. There will be few find it. Compared to those who are lost, there will be few who will find it. But let us not think that our numbers are small and insignificant. There's a great cloud of witnesses of which we all are a part with Jesus, one of many. Jesus, the Lamb, is one of our brethren. Think about that for a minute. He is one of our brethren. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus was there with a great multitude of people. And the Bible says, and some came to him and said, Master, your mother and your brothers are out here outside seeking to speak with you. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, who are my brothers, my sisters, and my mother? And he said, 
these are. For anyone who hears my words, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is our brother. Certainly, he is our savior. Certainly, he is God, but he is also our brother. Listen to the words of Romans chapter 8 describing that relationship. As many of us as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Jesus is God's Son. And we are his children. So Jesus is our brother. We have a family relationship. Not merely neighborly. And certainly not stranger. We are family. But we are his brethren. Because number two, we also are heirs. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, notice, and joint heirs with Christ. What does Christ inherit? Because I'm going to get it too. He got an exalted name. We've already seen it in Philippians 2. We get an exalted name. And he went back to his father. And we're going to go there too. Because we are heirs. Will you notice with me that Jesus is our Passover lamb. He is the least among many brethren. Why did he choose a lamb? Maybe it's because a lamb is the picture of total innocence. As well as the picture of total helplessness. A lamb cannot protect itself. A lamb is passive. A lamb is at the submissiveness of someone else. In the text that was read for us, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before its shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. 
They go there and it's done to them what is done. The lamb that was brought to the tabernacle. The offerer had to hold that lamb, maybe tie the legs, and slit the throat to kill the lamb. Jesus had to die. It couldn't be a natural death. It wasn't going to be a death where God struck him dead. He, like the lamb of old, had to die at the hands of the sinners for whom he was dying. He is my and your Passover lamb. In his death, he took our guilt on himself. His death satisfied God because it was the nature of God to have punishment for that which corrupts his nature and goes against his nature. And only an unblemished, sinless sacrifice would do the work. Jesus is our lamb, the least among many brethren. Today, as the Hebrew writer said, it is possible for us to crucify the Son of God afresh and to put him to an open shame. In the same way those sinners brought Jesus to that cross and killed him, it is possible for us to crucify him again. But now we don't need to bring a lamb and kill it. The lamb's already been slain. Now we simply come to the place where the lamb was slain and accept the gift. And the blood that flowed from the cross flows symbolically into the hearts and minds and lives of every person who accept the gift of the Lamb. And when you are immersed into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you take on the blood of Jesus the Lamb, and it cleanses you. And then we walk in that light, 1 John 1, 7, for the continual cleansing of that blood. Today the Lamb was offered for you are you willing to offer yourself to the Lamb of God? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m. 
followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.